Hello. Hello. I am Hannah Peckham. Um, to tell you a little bit about myself, I have five children. I am married to my husband, Roman. So my life is crazy and hectic and busy, and there's never a dull moment with my husband and all my kids. <laughs> Um, today we're going to be talking about never own anything and never accept any glory. You guys have your handouts. They are fill in the blank. So when I have a sentence that you're going to fill in the blank, I'm going to raise my hand into a little V, just like our wonderful speaker Sharon did. And um, I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to teach these women. I pray that you would just open their hearts, Lord, and let your words flow from me, God. Let it be your message that they hear. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each one of them, and we thank you for Jenny, Lord. I pray that you would bless her for her wonderful message, Lord. Amen. So my first thoughts when they asked me to teach on never own anything and never accept any glory I didn't even understand what never own anything meant. I'm in my 20s, so I barely own anything as it is. And I have five kids, so what I do own gets destroyed very quickly. Um, and then I thought how unqualified I am to get up here and tell you guys not to accept any glory. You're here attending these teachings, these principles of leadership. You're serving God and reaching out. And um, you guys are all amazing. So just to start with that, the statements never own anything and never accept any glory completely contradict what the world tells us, just like never defend yourself completely contradicts what the world tells us. The world tells us to accept glory for how wonderful we are, to rise in your positions and own it, and it's, it's everywhere. So let's look at what it really means to own something and what it really means to accept glory and how those things work together. So ownership is defined as to have possession of something. Having possession of something could be a physical, tangible item like possessions, or it can be a intangible thing like feelings or your relationships. Those are things that you can own. It's funny when you Google it, actually a lot of people say that you own your children. Um, kind of weird, but I guess I own five children. I guess in my 20s I could say I own that. Um, to own something is to establish your right to what it is that you're owning. And another interesting fact about the definition of owning is to have the right to defend it just as Jenny talked on defending things. To own something would mean that you have the right to defend it, to establish your right to it. Glory, here's another fill in the blank, is defined as a high renown or honor by notable achievements or to take great pride or pleasure in, to boast, to be proud of. Glory, praise, honor, credit, success, admiration, fame, those are things when we're accepting glory, those are the synonyms that we're associating with that. You can possess material objects and be admired for those things. You can retain your relationships and accept praise for that. The world teaches us to do those things. When you have 
a relationship like a marriage that's 35 years and people congratulate you on that, oftentimes we accept the glory for that, that it's our wonderful marriage, that it's us that's the wonderful wife or the wonderful husband. We all know it's the Lord that keeps us together. Um, To accept the glory for being a good person, the world tells us own your actions, defend your actions, own your positions at work in ministry, to own your possessions. There is a constant outpour of placing glory and ownership in the hands where it doesn't belong. So where does it belong? The Bible is very clear. And if we start this off understanding who they belong to, we'll have a good firm foundation to build up everything else. So let's open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 11, 33, verses 33 through 36. And I did pre-mark mine just like Jenny. I didn't want to be flipping forever. So at verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I love the way the NLT words it as who knows enough to give him advice? Certainly not me. In other words, here's another fill in the blank. There is nothing that God doesn't already own and there is nothing that he does not deserve the glory for. We are taught in this world, very far from the verse that we just read. It's everywhere, Pinterest, billboards, Facebook, everywhere you look, there's self-help books, there's all sorts of building yourself up, and that's not what we are supposed to be doing. I recently went school shopping for school clothes for my daughters um, and for my son, but their shirts aren't as cool as little girls. (laughs) Girls are funner to shop, or more fun to shop for. Um, I love going to Savers or Goodwill and sifting through and finding little hidden gems, but I was amazed at all of the subliminal messages that are in what's being given to our children. All the shirts that say, believe in your selfie, follow your heart, find your own path, love yourself. Not all who wander are lost. Now, those aren't bad things to say. You don't have to go through your kids' closets and throw all those shirts away. But it's the context of which you're saying them and what you're teaching them to believe. I don't know about you guys, but if I believed in my selfie, I'd be let down every single second of every single day. If I followed my heart, I'd be deceived beyond belief. If I followed my own path, I'd end up in some scary part of downtown Phoenix that nobody's willing to come pick me up. When it comes to following my own path, I want to follow Surrey on my phone and the Lord in my life. And I don't know about you, but when I wander, it's normally because I'm lost. On my own, my strength is nothing. My willpower is flimsy. It flops, whichever way the wind is blowing, whichever way my flesh is leaning. On my own, my foundation is on the sand, not on the rock. In our own strength, when we're believing in ourselves, we're taking the throne of who we're supposed to be believing in. 
and that's God. It's his throne. We're owning something that doesn't belong to us to own. We're defending something. We're claiming our right to it when the right is God, the defender is God. When we're owning something, we are stealing it from God. We are being thieves and taking what belongs to him. Our position, whether in ministry or at home, doesn't come from us. We don't own a position, we fill it. God has you in that position for a reason, and that reason is to bring his glory, his name glory, and to share his name. Our possessions aren't ours either. They were given to us to steward so that we may bring God glory with those. Our lives aren't ours, our bodies aren't ours. Just like that song, we've had wonderful worship from Robin and Eunice today, but like that song, it's your breath in our lungs. It's not even our breath. Every breath that we're given is supposed to be bringing him praise, not gossiping or bringing glory to ourselves or owning things or spreading our name and bringing our name higher. That's not what it's meant for. The very thing you hold on to, you will lose. If you don't believe me, go ahead and read the book of Job. He lost everything. But instead of finding the worth in everything he'd lost, he found his worth in God. Job was quite possibly, could have been the richest person on the earth at the time that he was alive. And some of you that know the story of Job, everything that this world had to offer, his health, his children, his house collapsed and killed all 10 of his children, which I couldn't even imagine the pain that that would, have hap- that, that would have caused him. And he was told by his wife to curse God and die, which is pretty depressing too. I get mad when my husband says, be quiet. And you know his wife told him to curse God and die. So he lost his health, his wealth, his everything. But he knew that he didn't lose everything. He knew God was more than anything he'd ever had. Job 121 says, that Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Many people give thanks to God when he gives. Job gave thanks to God when he took. Job knew God was worthy of all ownership, praise, and glory, even when God took it all away. The very thing you hold onto, you will lose. It's not ours to have the grip around. It's not ours to retain. It's the Lord's. Our worth is in the blood of Jesus Christ, which amen to that. Could you imagine if somebody came to you and burst your bubble and told you that the truth was that your worth was in everything that we had here on earth, that this body, these possessions, these positions were all we were ever meant to experience? our hearts would break. That's a very heavy thing to think about, that everything we have here is all we would ever have. And to think that there are six billion people out there walking around believing just that. We become wrapped up in everything that we have, everything that we own, all of our positions. 
wrapped up in ourselves, focused on ourselves, when it, it means nothing. We forget that that messy house of yours wasn't given to you by God to be filled with worldly possessions. It was given to you to raise those little children into citizens of heaven. Those people you work with, you weren't put to work with them to annoy them and argue with them and do those things. You were put with them to be a light for the Lord, not to step on people to get to the next position, not to bring praise to your own name, but to bring praise to his name. We forget in the midst of all the busyness and chaos that the people around us are desperately needing us to glorify God and giving him ownership of our lives. They need to see us do this every single day. Are you so busy doing God's work and God's ministry that you forget it's for him? The world needs God's light and it needs to see the absolute glory of God. It's impossible for them to see it if we're stealing it for ourselves. One of my favorite quotes is, you can't change the world by being just like it. I always like to add my own little paraphrase though. You can change the world by being just like him. I recently read a book called Swipe Right by Levi Lesko. If you haven't already read it, I recommend it to you. But in the book, he talks about the same forces that can propel you can destroy you. The force of your position in ministry can propel you to do amazing things for God's glory, or it can become an issue of pride and destroy you. In ministry, are you more worried about God's glory or your own? I've heard people talk about their areas of service as if it's for God's, as if it's for their glory, not God's. People say, I wouldn't scrub those nasty toilets, I'm above that but I know we all appreciate it when we go and have a nice clean restroom. Don't you think that Jesus was above washing the disciples' feet? People say, I don't have time to serve at church. I know for me with my kids, there are days that I don't want to come and serve. I don't want to drag my kids into the car and then drag them into church and put a smile on my face and serve. But don't you think Jesus would have rather reigned on his throne than come here to earth and die for sinners like us? We have to sacrifice and give him the glory for that. The force of those possessions God's given you to worship him can become what is worshiped and destroy you. Turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. It reads, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And I think it goes hand in hand with the verse Jenny shared with us in Galatians 6 about don't believe, don't deceive yourself into thinking you're something. What are we boasting of? What are we owning? What belongs to God that we've stolen from him? And we've said, no, Lord, this over here is ours. You can have this area of our life, but this is ours. We're gonna move up. We're gonna take the glory. We're gonna own it. 
One of the best parts of having my five children is watching them learn and grow into beautiful souls that have a heart for Jesus. Sometimes I question if they have hearts, but then I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, We love to bake together. My girls love to bake cookies, cakes. If it has sugar, we will eat it. But once we get in the kitchen, my daughters like to just kick me out. They say, no, mom, we've got this. We can do this. So I'll sit down at the table and I'll watch. And it seems like within minutes, someone's pulling someone's hair. My daughter Ember's licking something off the counter. The cookies are burnt and the kitchen is just a disaster. I'll step in, throw some frosting on the cookies so they don't taste crisp. I'll clean up the kitchen. And when my husband gets home, my girls run up to him and they say, Daddy, Daddy, we baked these cookies. And he loves them. He has no idea of the ordeal that we went through just to have these cookies. They boast to their dad about how wonderful they did in the kitchen. And I don't have the heart to go burst their little bubble and tell them it was all me and they were awful. I wonder how many times God looks at my tasks and laughs at my childishness in the kitchen. He comes in, he fixes my burnt cookies, he cleans up my counter, and I'm over here licking stuff up off the floor. And then once it's clean and done with, he watches me take the credit for his work. He watches me own something that doesn't belong to me, and he watches me take what's his and call it mine. The verse in Jeremiah reminds me of how often we take what is ours and boast as if it was. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. That strength came from the body God gave him. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. The wisdom belongs to God. It's God's work done God's way for God's glory in God's time. I love this story by Corey Ten Boom. She says, a woodpecker tapped with his beak against the stem of a tree just as lightning struck the tree and destroyed it. He flew away and he said, I didn't know there was so much power in my beak. When we bring the gospel, when we serve in ministry, there is a danger we will think or say, I have done a great job. Don't be a silly woodpecker. Know where your strength comes from. It is only the Holy Spirit that can make a message good and fruitful. In ministry, am I the woodpecker? Are we woodpeckers? The biggest struggle with owning things that are rightfully God's is self. The mighty I, me, my, and mine. John 3.30 says, he must increase, I must decrease. The struggle with I started all the way back in Genesis and won't stop until the day Jesus calls us home. Pride, there's another one there, back to back. Pride is any preoccupation with self that evaluates life from the perspective of what do I gain? What do I get out of it? A part of owning something that belongs to God is his glory, his praise, Again, completely opposite from what the world tells us. You're so wonderful. You did such a great job. You're such a great person. You're so nice. We love to hear what tickles our ears. And we don't have to rebuke people's compliments. That's not what the Lord wants us to do. Um, We don't have to belittle ourselves where we feel unworthy all the time and 
um, in a position where we can't accept people's compliments. But what we have to remember is that those compliments are to God. True humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. So when we receive those compliments, we need to turn and redirect them right back to where they came from. Redirect them right back to Jesus Christ. Letting them know, you see this light in me, but it's not me. It's the Lord. And that's why it's so transparent to be open and honest about the sins we struggle with, about the past that we dealt with. It's important to share that so that people see, oh, I would have never guessed that about you. And that's because they're seeing God in you. They're seeing what God has done. Receive what they say as you would a bouquet of flowers. You take the flowers and then you simply turn and throw it at the feet of Jesus as your precious offering to him. John 5, 41 says, I do not believe glory from men. Oh, I'm sorry. I do not receive glory from men. Even Jesus wouldn't accept the glory from men. He wasn't concerned about what anyone else thought. He only wanted God's approval. Jesus didn't belittle his worth over their compliments or insults. He based his worth on God. We know that for every one compliment we receive from somebody, we could receive a hundred insults. I once heard a story of a math teacher that got up and he was doing nine times one, nine times two, and writing the answers out. And he purposefully put nine times one equals seven, but then he got all the other equations correct. He turned around and all his students were laughing at him and saying, you got this wrong. And he said, but none of you pointed out all the other 10 that I got right. People are going to point out what we do wrong. And like Jenny shared, let the Lord be our defender. But when they point out what we do right, we need to make sure the glory's going where it needs to be. You're the vessel that God's using to reach specific people, your husbands, your children, the women here at church, the people at your work, the people at Walmart. We don't run into people by coincidence. God puts us there so we can share his glory and his love with them. Don't give recognition to your own intelligence and your own works. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. To accept any type of praise and admiration for what you are doing is like the ax boasting about the tree it cut down. It was the woodsman who cut down the tree. The ax was a mere tool. The woodsman can find another ax. The ax cannot find another woodsman. There's a quote that says, there is no worse screen to block out the spirit than confidence in our own intelligence. Pride in yourself and in your own works will be the screen to block out the Holy Spirit. It will be the wedge that divides you in your relationship with Christ. Mark 4, 18 through 19 says, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. We can't let our desires, our pride, the desires for wealth and prosperity and advancement to come in and choke God's word that's in us. We need to bear fruit in order to bring God's glory. 
But if we focus on ourselves, we will choke out God's word that is in us. If we focus on God, we will choke out the sin that's in us. What goes in your head will bear fruit in your world. On your papers, there's a chart that we're gonna fill out together detailing what God's word says about pride. So we're gonna be flipping through a few verses. The first verse we're gonna go to is Proverbs 29, 23. It says, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. So I have it in two columns, pride and humility. So under pride, we're gonna write what the verse says about pride and then what the verse says about humility. So it would be, will bring me low and then will obtain honor on that first one. The next verse is James 4, 6. And it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. And the last one, Psalm 10.4. The wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, is there is no God. So on that one, there is no room for thoughts of God under pride. And humility is focused on exalting the Lord, bringing him the glory, giving him the praise. The Bible says much more on pride than I covered in this chart, but just looking at this and what the world says, we see how deceitful I, me, and my can be. We see how the world today makes selfishness look like a virtue. When you're focused on yourself, people say, I'm gonna do me for a while. Those things are making, the world is making it look like it's something we're supposed to be doing, and that's not true. It's not truthful. We see how once we accept pride and once we allow it to grow roots in our heart, we're found flat on our face before the Lord. Jesus Christ came down, lived a sinless life, and died a sinner's death, and rose again three days later so that we could be reunited with God and have an eternity in heaven with him. It's all because of God's grace. There's absolutely nothing that we did to earn it There's absolutely nothing that we can do to earn it. It's not because we're good people. God's grace is and was the cure to our deathly virus of sin. Pride is the spiritual vaccination against it. When we allow pride in our hearts, we're giving us the glory for becoming saved. We're saying it's our works that is letting us get into heaven and be saved. And that's just simply not true. We're stealing that from the Lord. Don't vaccinate yourself against God's grace. Be open to it. Be receiving to it. In your everyday life, remove the pride and be the vessel that God wants you to be. Proverbs 3.34 says, God resists the proud and he will share his glory with no one. 
Be usable and moldable by the Lord, always redirecting everything, all praise, all glory, all admiration, all credit, all possessions, and all of your positions to him, the one who knows the depths of our heart and still calls us his children and invites us into his kingdom. It is better to have a small role in God's history than to cast yourself as the lead in your own fiction. I have one more quote, and then we will finish up. Earlier, I mentioned the Acts boasting about cutting down the tree. Samuel Brengel, who was an early Salvation Army official, was referred to as a great Dr. Brengel. He completed many, many, many good works in his lifetime. He wrote this in his diary. If I appear great in their eyes, the Lord is most graciously helping me to see how absolutely nothing I am without him and helping me to keep little in my own eyes. He does use me, but I am so concerned that he uses me and that it is not of me the work that is done. The ax cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it, he sharpened it, and he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron. Oh, that I may never lose sight of this. I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a song of worship. And I would just ask you during this time that you would pray individually or together if you want to have the Lord show you the areas in your life that we're stepping up and we're owning something that doesn't belong to us, the areas that we're taking what's God's and calling it ours, any areas that we have pride in, um, and that you would just give that to him. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, hearts wide open. Lord, I pray that you would just lay it on each of our hearts, what it is that we're owning that belongs to you. Release our grip, Lord. We give it to you now. We pray, Lord, that during prideful moments, you would humble us, always bringing us right back to seeking you and giving you all the glory. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Please bless these women, Lord, and we love you. Amen.